Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, have you ever been faced with a situation that you had to own up to? Something that weighed you down for a long period of time and you figured, you know what, I'm going to have to face this thing at some point in time of my life and I'm tired of it, rearing its ugly head, trying its best to destroy my life. You know, Greg, I think we've all been faced with something like that. Some demon or issue or, you know, fact that we have had to deal with or are dealing with that has sometimes overwhelmed us, you know, overcome us, you know, and sometimes it's it's very hard to deal with. You know, I know me and my my personal struggle years ago with alcohol. You know, I used to love to drink alcohol. That was my thing. Go out, party, get me a bottle, spend $100 a night, no big deal. That was chump change. And I would spend lots of money on drinking and hanging out. And when I finally decided that I wasn't going to do it anymore, it was like that's when the devil just started sending people my way with free alcohol. And it was like, wow, here it is. I want to stop, and people are giving it to me for free now before I was paying for it. you know. And so, yeah, you have those things that you seem like, okay, it's too good to be true. Now I'm getting all of it free, so what do I do? I'm not, you know, because one of my reasons was for stopping at the time was that I was spending too much money on it. So then when it came free, I'm like, well, I don't have that problem no more. And I just decided that this was something that I was going to do for me. You know, but, yeah, I, I agree. There's there's a lot of times where you run into those obstacles, those things, those problems, those issues that you seem like you can't get over, you can't get past. You know, and so what do you do? Well, you know what, you said something that that was powerful. You said we all have faced this time. So when we're faced with this situation, no matter what it was that we had to deal with, no matter if it was embarrassing, no matter how shameful it was, everybody that's living, they're faced with something, or they've been faced with this time that they had to deal with something. So whoever you are that's listening, you're not alone. And, Brian, that's something that happens when we're in that stage where we feel like, we're the only ones that are going through this. No, you're not. You're not alone. You, you're, you're not alone. Somebody before you has gone through it, and they're walking in victory. And, Brian, the sad thing about all of this, we're all walking in victory in it. We've all defeated it because it was in the past. Mm-hmm. If you look at it that way, okay, this happened how long ago? For Keep me? moving. Wow. It's Keep been. Moving. I can't even remember how long. It's been a long, it's been well over six, seven years, I would so say. So you're, you're walking in victory, you've defeated it, now keep going. Yeah, yeah. I don't even look back, that's the thing. I mean, but the but closest I people, get yeah. to alcohol is I drink the ginger beer soda. <laughs> the closest <laughs> I get. You know, and I can see alcohol. I've been to plenty, you know, gatherings, get-togethers, parties, what have you. And they have plenty of alcohol, and it's pouring. And, you know, I've even had people fix me a drink, and I'm like, what's in that? Mm. If there's alcohol in it, I'm not drinking it. 
And matter of fact, I'm not drinking anyway because I don't let anybody make my drinks. Right. You know, I mean, because I I had, I had gotten to that point where, you know, even in my life that I had to watch the people I was around because people like to see you doing what they're doing. So they'll tell you one thing. Oh, there's no alcohol in that. You know, and it's like, okay, so I'll drink this punch. You know, well, what kind of punch is it? Oh, it's rum punch. But it's only a little bit of rum, you know? I mean, and that's, that's the type of situation that you get put in, especially when you make a decision that goes against uh, the one who wants to destroy you. Right. But you know what, though, Brian? We have somebody on tonight, a beautiful, powerful woman, that's going to talk about some things and some issues that a lot of people shy away from. And it's something that is very hard to confront. It's very um it's a it's something that a man knows absolutely nothing about. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything about it. But I tell you what, if you're listening, if you stay tuned, I guarantee you you'll be blessed. Absolutely, absolutely, you know, and wow, just to know that what she's going to talk about tonight, how true that is, that a man can't even imagine or, in a, I mean, it's it's unfathomable that the situations that our women have to go through and endure right. when the, you know, when the outcome of the original situation that they're in is supposed to be a beautiful thing. Right. And yet it's turned into such a dark and cold and ugly thing. Yes. And also, Brian, not only is she going to talk about something that we don't know anything about, she's also going to talk about a lot of things that we all know about, mm. about the negatives, the naysayers, the dream killers, the people that tell you you can't do this. And she's going to tell you why she continues to do what she's doing. And, Brian, you have a lot of people out there making millions of dollars doing what she's doing, but she's mm-hmm. not charging them for it. But guess what? Her riches are coming. Oh, absolutely. Her See, right now coming. I say this is this is what I call the proving ground. <laughs> you know, this is sort of like when you're in your rookie season and, and you got other people that are all-stars in your position. This is where you learn, you watch. You still play a little bit, you know, but once you get your opportunity to shine, that's when your God-given talents begin to show and, and show Brian, out. Yes, yes. And, Brian, you're going to hear the little girl giggles, but you don't know the story. You don't know the nights of, of tears. You don't know the the sorrow, you know, the sorrow that came, you know, with her life. And you don't know the times that she couldn't sleep or she would wake up in the middle of the night trying to figure out if she's doing what she was created to do and if she's being that person that God created, the suffering part of it. Right. But like I said, you're going to hear some giggles. You're going to hear her talk about her life, and she's going to talk about some solutions to a lot of things that a lot of people are going through, that, you know, all they have to do is believe. And you know she's. We're going to talk about a lot of things, Brian. I'm excited about having her on. Let's let's go ahead and bring her on. Absolutely. For those that are just joining us, you've been listening to the Abundant Solution Hour, and tonight our special guest is Miss 
Tayana L. Elon. I Uh-oh. almost messed it up, but I, I got it right. I got it right. Don't hurt me. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, we've been I'm laughing because I've been I keep trying to make sure I say her last name right because I have a friend that last name is spelled exactly the same way but it's pronounced differently. And so I keep wanting to say her last name, Elyon, but it's Elon, Miss Ayana Elon. And she's our special guest. And I want to have her come on, and then I'm going to plead with her not to kill me for messing her name up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I forgive you. I understand. It's okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome welcome. again to the show. Oh, hi. I'm, I'm glad to be here again. I'm excited. Good. Good, Yana. We I had a couple of emails where people were talking about you, and, and I, I received a phone call today. A uh, young lady said that she was glad that you was coming back on because she wanted to hear a little bit more from you. The last time you were on the show, we had two other powerful, powerful speakers. We had uh, April Mason and Olivia Stith, and, you know, the three of you on here, it's kind of hard to, to get, you know, for you to talk about something that you want to talk about where you can finish it. And tonight you're going to have that opportunity. And I just think people will be blessed by your testimony. And I think that they'll be blessed to find out a lot of the things that you're doing right now. Okay. Well, yeah, like I said, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, there were some things I wanted to discuss last time, but it wasn't my time to do that. That's right. That's right. But tonight we're going to talk about some some powerful, powerful things. You know, um, I, I want to start off by saying, what is it that keeps you going? What is that thing that got you uh, fighting for 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 your life? What is it? What is that thing that keeps you going? My desire to keep blessing people, Ooh. and my desire to um, please God because I know He's been He's pleased with what I'm doing because He He never ceases to get the glory from what I'm doing because. If he wasn't in this, ain't no way I'd be able to do this. There's no way I, I would be able to share my testimony with people. Mm, 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 mm. And you know what? We were talking about uh, your story. I, mm-hmm. I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring it up. I wanted you to talk about it. I wanted you mm-hmm. to tell uh, someone that's listening right now uh, some things that you had to go through and how you were able to battle through that. In your dark times, and, and when you made the decision that you felt that you, you know, that you're older now, that one day that those decisions would come back and they would be in your face, and you would have to deal with it. I actually thought I would be able to keep that a secret <laughs> from um, other people. Like I said before, my mom and a couple of other people who are close to me, they knew, but outsiders. I did not want to share that with other people because, like I said before, it's embarrassing. You don't go around just telling people you've had an, uh, an abortion and not expect, you know, some eyebrows to raise. You know, but when I decided to share my testimony with other people, it wasn't actually my decision. God said, you're going to do this, and that's it. But he prepared me for whatever would come my way distractions, people, naysayers, people who wanted to discourage me from sharing my story. He prepared me for all of that before I even put it out there. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, in your own words, tell us about, you know, give us your your story, your testimony. 
Okay, from from start to finish, I wouldn't even have enough time on the show. <laughs> but what I will say is, um, being pregnant with that baby, um, it was hard for me because I would lay in bed and just rub my belly, and I'm I'm telling this baby, I already knew what I was gonna do, but. I would rub my belly and tell the baby I'm sorry. I really didn't want to do it, but I felt like I had no other choice. It's, some people are forced into having abortions, um, but I I was driven to do it because I, I stay sick all the time. People have abortions for different reasons. I've heard all kinds of stories as to why people have had abortions, but I I feel like, well, I'm going to die if I don't have an abortion because I was always sick. I couldn't keep no food down. I was just miserable. I couldn't go nowhere. And I feel like that was my only way to, to help my situation. Yeah. I I wasn't educated on abortion before I actually went into the clinic. I just knew they'd give me one if I gave them the money and that was that. Yeah. I went there um, not really knowing what to expect other than I really expected the um, the clinic to have, like, people outside with signs telling me I to go into the abortion clinic, but it wasn't like that. It was so much different from what I saw in the movies and on TV. Um, the doctor that performed my abortion, um, I learned later that his distance from me is what helps him keep doing what he does. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. This is a whoo. Oh, no. I, I, I feel you. You know, I, oh. I'll give you a little bit of time to, to gather yourself. I just want to comment and ask this question. You know, what do you think, how do you feel, how do you think he felt? about what he was doing, you know, because you talk about the distance. And if you can imagine, you know, if anybody's ever had children or ever seen a child, you know, when you're young, you really don't think about it. But once you get a little bit of age on you, like me and Greg here, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you come to see that children are a gift and they are beautiful. And, you know, for something like that to occur, you know, how could somebody be an instrument of death like that? You see what I mean? Yeah. And not be and not have any feeling towards it. You see, that's the real issue. They, you know, they had to have a feeling. It's almost like when you see in the movies when you see the uh, the uh, the people that want to kill somebody, they'll tell them close your eyes or turn your head. Yeah. Because they don't want to have to look that person in the face or look that person in the eye while they're killing them. And with my doctor, the doctor who performed the abortion, he really didn't look in my face. Um, well, was it that he didn't or that he couldn't? He probably couldn't. I mean, I was I was crying before he even got in there. I was I was emotional on the table because I already knew what was about to happen. Mm-hmm. But when he came in, it was um, like I said, it was it was just distance there. It, 
And most doctors have to be that way because they have to be sort of impartial for their patients, yet at the same time show some type of interest without being, you know, too, you know, emotional about the situation. It's almost like when you have uh, pediatric doctors. Pediatric doctors have the toughest time because when they see the smiling faces of those children and then they know that something's wrong with that child, it it you know, it does something to you. Yes. You know, and so, you know, I, I can understand why a doctor like that would 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 really not make eye contact with you or, or anything. You know, he had to really try to, I would guess, treat it like a medical procedure more than anything else. You know, because, yeah, I would, I would agree. You know, because he couldn't, he couldn't in himself, I believe, fathom the the real true concept behind what he was doing. It was just that it was a way for him to make money, and long as he treated it like a medical procedure, then he couldn't attach his own feelings to it. Yes, I agree. I didn't. Everything then. I knew what I was going there for, and. I knew the whole time I was there, I was there a while before I actually had the procedure done. Even when I got on the table, it didn't really hit me that I'm about to have an abortion. It wasn't until he actually came in because before he came in, there were two nurses with me prepping me, getting me ready. But it wasn't until he came in and I heard the machine and I'm, you know, and everything started to go. And I was like, okay, this is really happening. It's not a dream. I'm not asleep. I'm about to go through something that I never thought I would go through. Because even when I was a teenager, I would hear about people having abortions and abortion clinics being bombed. And I I would think to myself, how in the world could a woman have an abortion? What's wrong with her? I thought something was wrong with people who wanted to have abortions. Mm -hmm. And I, I just couldn't see myself as one of those people having abortions, but yet and still I ended up having one. Did you wrestle with the that big thing called forgiveness? Did you did you have to wrestle with that? Was that something that that stayed in the back of your mind that no matter, you know, what I've done is an ugly thing, I I'll never be forgiven for this. Did you wrestle with that? Yes, I did. Even when I was having a baby, I'm sorry. I was talking to God, um, and I was apologizing as well because I knew what I was going to do. But did you? If, did but did you forgive yourself? No, not right off. No, I didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't until later, way after I had the abortion, that I was able to forgive myself because I was still. I had children. And I'm like, how in the world can I kill one and keep the other? You know, that that didn't make sense to me. And so what I did to me was unforgivable. Mm. Well, I tell you what, there's a lot of people out there that are suffering with not being able to forgive themselves for what they did for something that was 20 years ago. Uh, 30 years ago, you just have a lot of women that that they're they're stuck with this thing that they can't seem to get over, and I don't think that they know how to forgive themselves. 
and they never tell anybody, and they're holding this in. And I'm sure someone is listening tonight that needs to know, how do I begin to forgive myself? How do I begin to get my life back? This is something that happened a long time ago. I, I've got to move on with my life. What would you uh, tell someone that needs to start taking the steps of forgiveness for themselves? What I did was I started telling people um, about what happened, what I had done. And it, it started to open me up more. And I, I started to think about how could I not let that abortion be in vain? You know, so me opening up and telling others about my abortion helped me start start the process of forgiving myself. And it helped start the, the healing process for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's... You know, when, what about the nights of, of not being able to sleep? We've never talked about this before. And, and and I'm sure that if anybody has ever struggled with anything, it affects your sleep. Yes. I was, I was, I stayed up a, a lot, um, crying, still rubbing my belly as if the baby was still there. I went through a lot after the abortion. And it took me a while to come to terms with what I had done. There was, I'm, because I had been prone to be a depressed person, I, I have struggled with a, um, depression um, a lot of the years of my life. Mm-hmm. And it, I was fighting not to let that abortion make me fall into depression. Because I had other children I had to take care of and tend to and other business to take care of. So I, I struggled with not falling into depression because of it. Because I know there were um, people who have had abortions. They couldn't deal with what they had done, so they committed suicide. And I, I was fighting um, not to become one of those people. Like I said, I wanted... I didn't want the abortion to be in vain. I wanted to, you think of how in the world could something good come from an abortion. But like me telling my testimony and sharing with people what I have done has been a blessing to people. And it hasn't, the abortion hasn't been in vain. Even though I I think about the baby, I, I still think about the baby. Um, I struggled with knowing if it was a boy or girl because I have all boys, and I wanted a girl. And it ate me up on the inside just wondering, was the baby a girl? I'm, you know, and I, I still apologize. And it was just, it was hard for me. Yeah. It was hard for me to, to move past just having the abortion. You know, Yana, I, I was driving this morning, early this morning, about 7 Seven thirty, eight o'clock. Well, before before eight, and I saw a couple of teenage girls um, pregnant, and it, you know, I knew what the show was about tonight, and and I and I began to think how many of these little girls 
didn't make it to the stage of their stomach being big and and uh, no one ever knowing that they were pregnant. Because a lot of girls, when they become pregnant, they won't tell anybody. The boy, yeah. the parents, nobody will know. And they'll take care, you know, they'll go in and they'll have an abortion and they have to deal with that. I've seen, when I went to the clinic, I saw all types of people there. I was in shock. Um, I saw mothers there with their daughters, actually. Mm. Um, Yeah, I saw older women, younger women, teenage girls, girls who looked like they were no more than 11 years old. Wow. So the clinic was filled with a variety of females looking for a quick fix on something that should not be taking place. Mhm. And I have had emails from young girls who are pregnant, who were pregnant and they read my story. Um they said that they were thinking about having an abortion and after reading it they decided not to. Because like I said, I wasn't really educated on abortion before I went into the clinic. I just knew I give them the money, and they're going to give me an abortion, and that's it. I ain't going to be pregnant no more. But it wasn't until after I had the abortion that I started to seek out other women and females who had abortions because I had a hard time dealing with what I had done. So I, I looked on the Internet. I did a search for other women, other females, who have had abortions to see how they were able to deal with what they had done. And it wasn't until then that I I started to come across photos, um, other information that I did not know about. Some of the information that I came across even when um, I was in counseling, because you're supposed to be counseled before an abortion. The doctor didn't tell me none of the stuff I came across. So a lot of people who have abortions aren't fully educated on abortion, um, some of the young girls and some of the women I have spoken with who has had abortions um, told me that they didn't even know how the abortion was actually done. You know, um, they didn't know about the different types of abortions. I've, I myself, because like I said, I wasn't educated on it, I thought there was only one type of abortion. Right. It wasn't until I started to do searches on the Internet for abortion that I came across several different types of abortion, um, the effects they have on women. You know, so some people, a lot of people actually, aren't really educated on abortion, even the women who have had the abortion. They probably couldn't tell you how it's actually done. Right, because there are different methods. Yeah, there are different methods, and even when I went, before um, I went in to have the procedure done, they showed me a video. The abortion clinic um, set me in a room, and I was to watch a video where they were supposed to prepare me for the abortion. I, the video I saw and what I experienced was different. The The person on the table was calm. There was no emotion there. Um, it didn't seem to be any pain there. What they showed me was different from what I actually went through. So that video was 
it didn't prepare me for anything. Right, right. You know, I'm just sitting here and I'm listening to you and I'm just thinking about, you know, what you, I couldn't imagine what you went through. You know, it, it took me a while to, oh my goodness, the, the procedure when it started, I was in shock because they, when they, when I went into the clinic, they gave me two pills. They told me they were supposed to calm me down and pre- prevent me from feeling any pain. That's a lie. When I when I was on the table, I was I was hyperventilating. So that pill that was supposed to calm me down, it, it might as well should have been a, a, a children's Tylenol. And the pain, I, I'd rather be hit by a train seven times than to do that again. What they tell people, it's not enough to really educate them on the decision to have the abortion. Or not. Take your time. Take your time. When when the doctor came in and um he was while he did not look me in my face, he did tell me what he was doing. And the nurses they were there holding my hand. The machine came on and it sounded like a bathroom cleaner. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew, you know, the baby had to come out some kind of way. Like I said, I wasn't educated on what I was about to have done. Right. It came on, and that that is like the worst sound in the world to me now. Because even now, if I hear a vacuum, that's what it sounded like, my mind instantly goes to that yeah. thing. Wow. That room. And that has to be very tough because something like that you hear all the time. Yes. It's something that I just, I have to, I have to block it. You know, I hear it, but then I try not to think so much on it. Right, right. You know, and again, it's tough. It's very tough. You know, again, I, I commend you for having the courage to, you know, talk about it because, like you said, most people are never going to talk about their experience. Most people would try to stop you from talking about that type of experience for the sheer fact that they don't want people to look at you a certain way. You know, when you start talking about abortion, people look at you a different way, in a different light, especially if they are anti-abortion. You know, I've never been perfect you know and so i would never try to tell somebody what they should you know that oh my god i can't believe you're doing this because i don't know their situation you know but we have some people that are perfect and no matter you know what you do they're going to have some problem with it you know like i'm i'm actually 
I am pro-life, but I'm also pro-choice. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your body because I don't want you telling me what to do with my body. Yeah. You know, because that's to, personally that's between you and God. What you do with your body is between you and God and nobody else. You know, yeah. and so, like I said, I'm I'm pro-choice, but I'm also pro-life. I'm pro-life first. You know, like I said, I, I, I would rather you choose to do this to make me force you be forced to do something that's against your will. You know, and so yeah, I said all that to say, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to say that anybody that has an abortion is wrong and moral, oh, you're going to hell and all that stuff, because that's not my call. That is not my call. Even, um... After my abortion, I've had a friend who had an abortion. She told me about it, and I didn't judge him. I'm I'm not the type. I don't go around passing judgment on people. I believe in everybody um, has their right to make their decision. I'm not going to go around pointing, even though I'm against abortion now. And I was I was against abortion before I had the abortion. But now I'm much more against it because I actually know what goes on during the procedure, and I know how a lot of women are uneducated on the issue. Mm-hmm. I, I don't go around judging people. If someone was to come to me tonight and be like, well, Ayana, um, you know, I had an abortion or whatever, I'm not going to be like, you going to hell, you know, you shouldn't have done that. I'm not the type of person. Right, right. Even though I've been told that myself, <laughs> but I'm not, you know, I'm not that type of person. Right, right. But yeah, back you know, on, mm-hmm. I'm, say, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying back on the part when I was saying the women, um, people are uneducated on abortion. When I went in, you're supposed to, like I said, be counseled before you have an abortion. You're supposed to. It was, re- it, it was a, a requirement. But when I went in to be counseled, I was in there, you know, a short period of time. He just wanted to know if someone was forcing me to have the abortion, and that was basically it. It wasn't, he wasn't trying to, you know, make me um, change my mind. He wasn't trying to, he didn't tell me my alternatives, even though I knew, you know, some of them. But he did not know what I knew. He was just—he was really trying to get me out of the room because he had other people he needed to see. It wasn't really any counseling done right. before the procedure, which is actually typical, you know. And that's one—that's one thing that people don't realize. That's—that's that's typical, you know. They really have it. Basically, it's like a farming system. You know, you get in there, you get your job done. And then you're on your way, and we're off to the next person. And anybody that slows the line up, hey, you got to go. Yeah. The doctor that was supposed to be doing my counseling, counseling, and I say that loosely, um, wasn't the doctor who performed the abortion. I actually I was trying to get the procedure done as soon as possible, and I was supposed to wait. Uh, a couple of days before actually going to have the procedure after I was counseled. Um, So I called another abortion clinic, and they told me, 
since I had already saw the first doctor that I could come on in to them, they were they were trying to hurry up and get me down there to have the procedure, you know, the, the procedure done. Mm-hmm. And after the procedure, um, I just thought it was kind of odd because they set me down in this room and gave me tea and cookies. I was <laughs> like, what in the world? You're going to give me cookies after the abortion. Wow. I didn't understand that. Even she explained the part about the tea. She said it's supposed to help my uterus um, go back to its original form. I was like, okay, whatever. It still didn't make me feel any better, eating cookies and tea right after the abortion. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's just a system. Uh, and they have certain things in place so that they can do what they have to do or what they can do. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like, and from talking with a lot of people, and we've had some other women on the show that went through this process, and it's pretty much that they, they I guess that they say the counseling is they ask you one or two questions and and it's kind of hard because I, I think what the doctors do is they say, and I'm not bashing the doctors or anybody, but I think they do. They say this. It's uh, what is it? The HIPAA law, the the thing that protects them, Brian. Is that what it is? Yes. They they can't discuss anything about you uh, with anyone else. That type of thing. If that's the case, how can you counsel a 12 year old girl on having an abortion? Mm-hmm. How 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 is that possible? What what do you say to her? Um, it, you know, I understand that it, it could be uh, incest or or something, or she may have been raped, and 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 you know you're doing it for that reason. But for a little girl at the age of twelve to to get pregnant and and the parents to take a man to have an abortion, do you think, Ayana, that they understand that this is a child and and she's going to have to deal with this later on? rather than worry about what the neighbors and people in the community will say? I'm not quite sure what they think because I've read different views from different doctors um, about what they think when they bring people in to have the abortion. You know, um, I couldn't imagine having to sit a 12-year-old down to counsel her about what she's about to have done. I couldn't imagine having to go through that with the parents trying to, while they're there together, trying to explain it to the both of them. You know, like, I'm about to do this to your child, even though she's with child. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I, I, you, you know, know I... I um. Uh, not to get too far off the subject, but I remember watching this show. Um, actually, it came on last night, and it was talking about people that were abandoning their, their newborns. You know, and they had this young girl on there, and she was talking about how, you know, she uh, was afraid because she was pregnant. And, you know, she's a heavyset girl, so you she, you really couldn't tell that she was pregnant. And... She had the baby, and she abandoned the baby. And, uh, you know, they wanted to put her in jail, and the prosecutor was trying to 
get her in jail for three years and all that stuff. And the judge went against that because he said, this is a young girl. And, you know, she didn't know what she was doing. She was afraid. She was scared, you know. She didn't want to hurt the baby, but at the same time, she was afraid of what others were going to say about her being so young. She was an honor student, and, you know, she just messed up one time and got pregnant. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, there is a there is a um, a stigma that you receive, you know, as a young parent, as a person who has an abortion, that other people will place on you, you know, and much of it is very unjustified because a lot of times even as a as a young person you don't know what's going on you know they're not educating you when you're go- like like just like in your case they didn't really give you a full understanding of what you were doing you kind of knew but you really didn't know until you experienced it and it's because more people don't come out and tell people like you're doing now about just how dark and just how scary and dangerous and painful the procedure is, not just physically, but mentally. Yeah. You know, just just from you talking about it, we could hear the pain in your voice because each time you talk about it, you have to relive a little bit of that, you know, of that scenario. You have to relive that part of your life again. And it is painful to talk about. You know, um, you know but more and more, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying it, it is painful. Even though I've, I've forgiven myself and I know God has forgiven me for what I've done, it's something you can't forget. And the pain is still there, but at the same time, I know just by me sharing this, it's blessing people. So that that's that's helping me. When Greg told me what he wanted to discuss, my I'm not gonna lie, my heart just dropped to the floor because I was I was I was thinking about how I was gonna have to go through those details again. Mm-hmm. Even though the the blog is up there and people you know I know people read it and I I have the link on my page. It's even it's hard for me to even look at that link on my MySpace page without me having to think about what I've been through. Right. So by him, by Greg saying that you know pe- people have been asking questions, sending questions in, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to go through this, and I'm gonna have to think about me being on that table and the pain that I went through. You know, and it it's still hard, but I still press through. Mhm. Yeah, and you know, and the thing about it, and I, that's I was gonna say before, uh, you you talk about that. The one thing that I do know is that the more you talk about it, the more you talk about it, the more you talk about it, it will get easier and easier and easier to talk about. Because each time you talk about it, you relive that moment, but you also release that moment. Yes, I believe that. I believe that. It is at this moment, um, I'm filled with so much emotion because even though I'm, I know that procedure 
the abortion I had was years ago. It's still like it's still fresh in my mind, and I can still see everything as clear as day. Mm-hmm. Everything from the moment I walked in there to the moment I left out, I see that clearly. Yeah. You have a lot of people, Ayana, that's not as strong as you are. You may not think you're strong right now, but to come on and talk about what you're talking about. And I could tell that you really wanted to talk about this when we spoke over the phone because you had an opportunity to tell me, Greg, I don't want to talk about that. We could talk about the business ventures that I'm ta- that, that I have coming up. We can talk about the seminars and my speaking engagements and you know, we we can talk about all those things, but you never said that. You never said that. You said, "Okay, uh, we'll we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about." I'm I'm open to talk about that, and I just felt that, and I really believe tonight that your healing process uh, is started, and and I know there's something that you've battled with before, but I really believe that when a person is ready to talk about something out in the public, to expose themselves and be as transparent as you're being tonight, I really believe there's no way that it can't help you. There's no way that someone is suffering right now that went through this don't feel better after hearing you talk about it. And I applaud you for being as brave as you are to talk about it because you know people can be mean. And people yeah. can be very, very hateful. Well, you know, that is true. That is true. But like I said, God prepared me for this moment and for moments before this, for moments after this. Because believe it or not, I have not really received like hate mail hate mail because of the abortion story. I have had a few people tell me I shouldn't be telling other people about the abortion and this and that, but I've received more good mail than bad mail. I've received mail from people telling me that they wish they were as strong as me to share their story. They've had abortions, but they, they can't see themselves sharing that with other people. People and their family don't know, you know. It's it's a powerful, powerful thing uh, for you to open up and allow so many people to come into your world. Like we said before, there's there's some women out there now that are struggling with this. And the way that it is portrayed on television is if you've done the worst thing that you could possibly do, and you and you should never ever be able to recover from it, which I which I disagree. I, I think no matter what a person does, they should be able to get their lives back on track. We all going to suffer. Brian and I were talking right before we brought you on the show, and Brian said something that was key. We all face things that we must confront at some point. Yeah. You know, Greg, I, I go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. I'm going to piggyback off that. You know, we all go through things. We all go through them. 
See, a lot of people can face them, but you got to go through. You got to go through. See, if you face it, that means you're standing there. You're looking at it. You go through it, that means it's behind you. It's behind you. You've already faced that. You've gone through it. And see, so many people, when they when they face it, they stay there and they keep on looking at it. They don't want to go through it. They're afraid to go through. You know, they're afraid to really tackle the issue. They want to throw it under the rug and forget about it. Oh, that was something I did in my past. I'm a new creature now, so let's not bring up the past. No, see, the thing about it, it says your sins will find you. Your past will find out. You know, until you can be forgiven and forgive yourself, your past will find you. See, I had to deal with that myself. When I was, you know, when I was dealing in alcoholism, you know, I thought I was partying, having a good time, having fun, you know. And right now, physically, I still deal with the things that I created back seven, eight years ago through that, you know, through, you know, drinking alcohol. Something just as simple as taking a drink, you know, and, you know, you have health problems that you go through because of that, you know. And so I said all that to say people go through. Don't don't face it. Go through it. You know, hey, y'all, we got about a little over ten minutes left in the show. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to, I want to sort of flip the 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 mood here of the show. You know, we know we've talked about something that's very important, and it's definitely something that we have to have our listeners hear about. They had to hear it through your voice. You know, they had to have you paint that picture of what you went through. So they don't have to go through it. But now I want to focus a little bit on what you're doing now. We know what you've done in your past. We know what you what you had to face. We know that you're out talking about it now because you want to help people. Tell us a little bit more about what uh, some of the other things that you're doing right now. Um, actually, I started a youth uh, mentorship program called. Young Believers, Tomorrow's, Tomorrow's Leaders, um, where the kids are um, called Bible-based things, and we go on trips, and oh, goodness, I am still on so caught up on the abortion <laughs> thing. Because, you know, I'm, I'm emotional right now. I'm trying to hide behind my laugh, but it's kind of hard to do that. But... Right. Um, I'm doing it with the, the kids, and I'm doing a winter cold drive here in High Point, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I also will be, every month, I'll have a speaking engagement at the Greensboro Public Library in North Carolina. Every month I will touch on different topics. Um, this month's topic is boundaries. Hmm. Mm. And what about the thing that you're doing, or not thing, what about the blessing blessing that you're doing with April Mason, I believe, is Olivia part of that as well? Um, actually, we're in preparation for something 
for the coming year. But, yes, whatever I'm doing for the coming year, Olivia, will be a part of it. I love Livy. I, I was texting her before the show, yeah. and she has been such a blessing to me. I believe I I can't see myself doing, you know, too much apart from um, having her involved in some kind of way because she has been up, you know, lifting me up, and I appreciate her so much. I really do. Yeah. You know, it was it was on this show that that Olivia came on. It was so transparent, and she blessed a lot of people. Yeah, I'm telling you, uh, when I go places, I, people ask me about Olivia because it is a hard thing to to talk about something that uh, that's so painful, like the things that you've gone through and the things that Olivia has gone through. But guess what? Your shoulders are strong enough to handle it. Because yeah. if you if you wasn't strong enough to handle it, it wouldn't have never happened to you. He's not gonna let you go through something that you can't bear. Uh, right. It's a right. suffering. It's it's a suffering, but also joy is gonna come. Joy is gonna come, and and I want to say to you that stay focused on that joy, knowing that that joy is coming, and knowing that you can't change anything. In your past, you can't change that. That has already happened. You've right. been forgiven. You're helping people. You could you could be in the house depressed with your curtains closed. Nobody ever heard anything from you, but people are hearing this tonight and they're being set free. I believe that they're being set free, and and I believe that you're being set free as well. If I can be set free, um, more than I, I already have, you know, I'm still I still deal with that, but it's not like it was initially. Right. Like I said, when when I have to speak on it or people ask him ask me about the abortion, I have to you know step back a little bit, step back a little bit, and like okay, yeah, I'm still in in shock. You know, like, oh, gosh, I did that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it keeps me in remembrance of what I've done, but not so much as it has me bound by the, you know, the procedure that took place. Right, right. And, you know, the beautiful thing about what you're doing right now, you're helping people. You're reaching out to people. You're going to the public library and you're sitting down with people and you're sharing things that will help ease their pain. Because if you look around, Ayana, a lot of people are walking around on this world in this world right now and they're suffering and they will not open up to anyone. They feel that no one loves them, they feel that no one cares, and what that does is it, it creates an anger in them. And they just Absolutely. shut down. And they can't process what's going on because they can't release it. What's inside of them? Yes, I believe people should surround themselves with people who will keep them lifted up. Because some things you can't just deal with by yourself. You need to surround your, yourself with people who will keep you lifted up in prayer, who will keep encouraging you, who will keep going. Yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, so you say you have the speaking engagements. 
do you also do uh, like church functions and stuff like that? I've been invited to some churches to speak, and I'm just now getting ready for that type of thing. Um, I've been asked to go places, but I feel like I wasn't ready. Now God is preparing me to step out, you know, um, to do stuff like that. Mm. I bet that's going to be wonderful. I believe so. <laughs> let Brian, let let us know where you're going to be speaking and we'll be there. But if someone wanted to to get in contact with you to speak, how would they get in contact with you? Um, they can go to the ministry website at www.elonministries.org or send me an email at elonministries at gmail.com. Mm. Well, I want to say, you know, thank you, Ayana, for coming on the show. You've blessed us all, and we just appreciate you. We really do. And and then I want to tell you to keep moving forward. Don't look back. Just keep going. Keep fighting. Keep pushing. And, and I'm telling you that you're doing a wonderful, wonderful thing and blessing people. Okay. Just being here has blessed me. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story like yes. this. Yes. Thank you so much. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where we have achieved our goal of being more, doing more, and having more. Thank you so much, Ayana. You're welcome. Thank you. Good night. Good night.